reading from the 20th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning with the first verse. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So it was just a couple of weeks ago we heard Peter's confession to Jesus when they were standing in front of the cave where the god Pan was worshipped. And Jesus asked them in the middle of all that pagan temple stuff, who do you say I am? You might remember Peter's answer. He said, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of the living God, not a son of a marble statue. You're the real deal. This said from the lips of a person who was following Jesus. A person who had left everything he had to go and work in the landowner's vineyard. You see, when Jesus came to earth, the landowner came to the vineyard. 
That's a good thing for us to hold on to when we read some of Jesus' parables. For very often, he's referring to himself visiting Israel. For Israel is referred to as a vineyard in the Old Testament, as God's vineyard, a people intended to produce the fruit of love, joy, and peace, of happiness, of mercy, of grace. And the landowner comes. In this parable, the landowner is calling workers. A young man had come up to Jesus just before Matthew tells us this story. And he came up to him and he was a wealthy man. And he said, teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? Do you hear that? What must I do? He was working in a world of balances. In my elementary school, they worked off the idea of balance. On the left side of the board was a chart with people's names, and if you did the right thing, you could get a gold star. Y'all remember that? Sometimes I want to carry some kind of virtual gold star to meetings I'm in on Zoom. So when people start talking about all the wonderful stuff they're doing, I can just give them the gold star, and we can get back to what the teacher was talking about, you know. But they had that on that side. And that's for all the point winners. You know those people in your classes that collected gold scars and stars, remember them? Some of y'all didn't go through that. It was miserable. I got some, but not many. But on the other side of the board was the chart for the people like me who wanted to be outside on a sunny day. And it's a different kind of chart, because if you were on it, your name was the first one up there maybe sometimes, confessing. And then after that, there would be a mark. <laughs> and every mark was more trouble. Remember that? And then they would make that cross mark, which means you were in five kinds of trouble. Checks, marks. One side you're being bad, the other side you're being good. That's been framed for us for most of our lives as people, especially Western people. We've dwelt under the idea that somehow we deserve God's grace, that we deserve what God has done for us. And people treat Jesus as a, some kind of mystical tick, ticket puncher on the train to heaven. You know, you walk up to him, hand your ticket, says, oh, hey, hey, how are you? Clicks your ticket, gives it to you, you get on the train and go on your way. But Jesus is not a ticket taker. Jesus is the kingdom. And when he invites people to follow him, he invites them to leave behind the idea that we receive grace from God based on the number of gold stars we've gotten. And we receive hell based on the number of marks we got on the other side. And in the end, what matters is whether or not you got more gold stars or more marks. That's the mindset that the first hired are working from, right? Vineyard owner comes along and says, man, my grapes are ready. And back then, the grapes are ready. You get them out of the field. Samantha and I went and visited her friend Debbie a couple weeks ago. I meant to mention for y'all to pray for her. Debbie has Parkinson's and dementia, and she's struggling. And Debbie's husband and I went out and picked muscadines off his vine. And if you've ever picked muscadines, you know you got about a week and a half. They'll go ripe, and then about two weeks later, they start shriveling. They start kind of looking like a raisin. But you don't want to eat those as a raisin. 
So you got to get them quick. The grapes were the same way in Jesus' day. You got to get them off the vine when they're ready. And so the laborer, the landowner comes and he hires these guys and he sends them out to the field and they work all day because they're excited to have work, right? They're going to get paid. And he comes back two or three, four times during the day and hires more people and they keep seeing more people come. And then, then the landowner does an odd thing. Apparently the landowner in Jesus' story wants people to know that he's generous. And so he paid the last hired first. And he paid them the same thing that he had hired, that he paid the people who were hired first. And they thought, oh, they got a denarius and they worked two hours and we worked 12 hours. We're going to get six. Wouldn't we all think that in a world that works off of gold stars and slash marks? Oh, we deserve more. We've been with you from the beginning of the morning, Mr. Landowner. We deserve more. That's their mindset. But clearly it's not the landowner's mindset. And what Jesus seems intent on teaching us here is that that's not God's mindset either. I probably couldn't count on two hands the number of times I've been asked the question, Preacher, what about them people who decide they're going to follow Jesus on their deathbed? What happens to them? You ever heard that question? That's a gold stars and checks marks question, isn't it? Or X marks. That's exactly what that question is. How can they deserve heaven? They've been laying on their deathbed. They didn't do anything. That's a the wrong, entirely wrong attitude, according to Jesus in this story. Because those who hired last are first. And those who are hired first are last. And why are they last? Because for them, laboring in the vineyard was a matter of bearing the burden of the work. A matter of suffering in the heat. Those who came later, it was a matter of opportunity to be taken care of, to take care of their families. Do you see the difference? I wonder what it would be like to live in a world where people were excited that the landowner was generous and paid the people who were hired last enough for them to live off. That's kind of the edge of this story for us. That God's grace is more than we can ever imagine. That the kingdom is not fair. Because if the kingdom was fair, I would be in trouble because I'm pretty certain that my rows are about equal. <laughs> Maybe a little bit lower on the stuff of shit done side. Said, thought, wished for, asked for. And so Jesus asked those first people an interesting question. He said, are you envious because I'm generous? That's a very watered-down way of translating that, and it's the way almost all the modern Bible translations translate the Greek there. What Jesus asked them in the Greek, he said, is your eye evil? You hear that? Is your eye evil because I'm generous? Boy, that's heavy, isn't it? 
Do we respond to God's offer of grace to all people with content, with jealousy? Are we able to see all people as equal subjects for grace? Some of the greatest preachers that have ever been have all reminded us that we're all sinners. One person was famously said that an evangelist is nothing more than one Christian telling another, one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. One Christian telling other people where to find Jesus. But that question that gets asked, what about that person who converts at the last moment? Will they receive God's grace? That question reveals our heart that we're a little too much like the people who were hired first. And sometimes that keeps us from wanting other people to be hired. Sometimes it makes us want to decide who's in and who's out. Did they make the right kind of decision? Did they come to the front and kneel? Were they dunked when they were baptized? Did they make a confession of their sins in front of the church? Did they go through confirmation? Did they go through two years of confirmation? Did they go through six years of confirmation? Did they take a new member class? Have they paid their dues? Are they on the kitchen ministry? Had they scrubbed the floor? Had they mopped the floor? Did they show up when we cut the hedges? Did they ever come around and help with the grass? I've heard many times in the aftermath of a Christian's death, they did so much for the church. And I've wondered, Should we not have said they labored with joy for the owner of the vineyard? Somehow, somehow we have to pry ourselves out of our checks and balances way of thinking. We have to pry ourselves out of thinking that people have to deserve the kingdom of God. Because one of the things I'm most grateful for is that the kingdom of God is not fair. People celebrate when their kids start talking, don't they? About four years later, they regret it. My wife's first word was egg. I've often wondered what that was like for her mom, who wanted the first word to be mom. I think my daughter's first word was no. I wasn't there when she spoke it, but I'm pretty certain. Or Noah, as she says, Noah. But I think one of those things that parents loathe the most is when someone teaches their kids the phrase, that's not fair. Right? Parents, y'all agree with that one? Kid laying in the floor screaming, that's not fair. I can hear it in my sleep. Aren't you glad the kingdom's not fair? Aren't you glad that God isn't going to reward you based on what you deserve? Aren't you glad that grace is what meets you at the door for payment and not a check and balances? Aren't you glad that the landowner in this story didn't 
count the baskets of grapes? Aren't you glad that he didn't ask whether or not they grumbled about the work? Aren't you glad that he didn't look to see whether their hands had calloused? He didn't gauge the hard the work by the sunburn on their necks. He just welcomed them all with generosity. That's the God we serve. A God who is generous beyond fairness. A God who welcomes the worst. A God who welcomes the laziest. That's what grace does. If we're applying to the kingdom of God based on our own merits, I dare say we won't get in. If we're applying based on what we've done or what we've said or all our goodness, I dare say we're not yet trusting Jesus. As our membership vow says, do you profess Jesus as Lord? And put your whole trust in his grace and promise to serve him as your Lord. That is our baptismal vow, dear ones. We trust his grace. The grace of a landowner who pays the last as if they are the first. There's no point in chasing after gold stars in God's kingdom. Which then brings the question, so why would we serve him? When that rich young man came to Jesus to ask him about inheriting eternal life, he said, what must I do? And Jesus said, go, sell all you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And you know what he did? He chose to follow money. He chose to follow wealth. He didn't really want eternal life. He wanted to say that he had earned it. Jesus calls us to simply receive. Well, Peter pipes up and he says, Lord, we've left everything. And Jesus said, and you will be rewarded. You can read that later. He told Peter they would sit on the thrones of judgment. And then he said, many who are first will be last. And many who are last will be first. To remind Peter that serving him was its own reward. You see, when I ask you if you want to follow Jesus, the hope is that you will arrive at the idea that you really do want to follow him. And that whatever it might cost you will be okay because following him will be its own reward. So as we follow him, as we lay down everything else, we take up our cross and start our trek to Jerusalem with Jesus to live a cross-shaped life in which we give of ourselves for and to others. When we take up roles of teaching, of praying, of leading, of serving, of guiding, those things are not done to earn the landowner's reward. They're done because he's worthy of our service. 
They're done because serving Jesus is its own reward. And whether we fail or succeed, when we show up at the table to receive our wages from the foreman, we will meet a generous owner who welcomes us into his very unfair kingdom. I'm grateful that Jesus gives us this image of grace. It comforts me. It reminds me that I don't have to do everything right. That I don't have to earn the generosity of God. And it also reminds me to keep my eye from being evil. And to celebrate when God is good to others. Instead of envying what they receive. And dear ones, if we can leave here holding on to those attitudes and hopes, we can indeed be effective witnesses to the gospel that we are all received by the grace of Christ. Amen? Amen.